0: Hello, hello, hello,
1: and welcome to Capital Musings, the United Nations Capital Development Fund's podcast, where we focus on fresh ideas that make finance work for the poor in the least developed countries. I'm Eduardo Tanchon, your new host, and you can listen to Capital Musing on Spotify, Apple, or our dedicated website, podcast.uncds.org. The theme of this season is The Road to Doha. In the lineup to the fifth conference of the United Nations for the list of our countries to be set in Doha, Qatar in 2022. Today, I have the pleasure of meeting Mr. Fahad Ifaz, CEO of iPharma. iPharma is a startup that aims to build Bangladesh's most efficient and largest agriculture finance and supply chain platform to improve the lives of the farmers, retailers, Businesses and consumers in a meaningful way. Welcome, Fahad, to Capital Musings. How are you doing today? Doing well. And thank you for having me here. Absolutely a pleasure. So, Fahad, describe your life journey thus far in three words. What brought you to working on sustainable development?
0: I have worked almost for 10 years agriculture development and i have seen the resilience of the people and especially the farmers and there is a huge business opportunity and there's a large untapped market that can benefit the farmers as well as the entrepreneurs who wants to develop a sustainable uh, business model and throughout this development almost 10 years i always felt that we need to build solutions which creates a win-win solution situation for the farmers as well as the entrepreneurs and that could ultimately lead to a sustainable opportunity where the opportunity is created by the entrepreneurs for the farmers but eventually they work as partners and that thought of that idea has led me to start iFarmer eventually
1: Thanks so much, Fahad. So basically, it's very similar to what UNCDF does in the sense that I really like how you described it building solutions that work for farmers and entrepreneurs through iPharma. So, can you tell us a bit more about what iPharma does? And I saw on your website, for example, that the way you would normally describe it is democratizing agriculture financing and supply chain. So, what do you mean by that? Tell us more about it, please. Thanks.
0: Farmers in Bangladesh and in other places that I've worked on, there's a high barrier to entry for the smaller farmers when it comes to getting access to financing solutions, which are relevant. And because of this lack of access um, to the right kind of financing, they don't necessarily invest in the right type of technologies or by the best quality of agricultural inputs. Because they're smallholder farmers, there is always this challenge that they're not really big enough to go and negotiate in the market. So, usually, they rely on small traders in their locality to sell their product. Now, there, there's a long chain that starts with those small traders. And depending on which value chain you're looking at, particularly in Bangladesh, there's about five to seven layers. Intermediaries before the product or the produce reaches the end consumer, and most of the revenue that the farmers could get gets distributed between these intermediaries. So even if the consumer is paying a decent price for the produce since they're buying, the farmers eventually does not really get that much. So the reason we want to democratize agriculture financing and supply chain is that making it easy for the farmers to get access to these financing making it very easy for a funder to find these farmers and, and be able to fund them, whether it's, it's a retail investor or an institutional funder. And then for these farmers it, on the supply chain side, they don't have to face these high barriers when it comes to selling their products. So that was the whole idea of this vision that we set up for ourselves that we want to democratize agriculture financing and supply chain.
1: Thanks, Fahad. I think it's really looking at both ends of the spectrum, right? Both the end receiver as well as the funder and trying to play a role in making sure that there's a wider understanding of the risks, of the challenges, but most importantly, the opportunities of investing in agriculture in this kind of markets. So for a non-financial audience, can you just break it down a little bit more for us? Why you think it's so important to provide tools and instruments for greater access to finance? In this case, for smallholder farmers.
0: Right. In in a country like Bangladesh, <sighs> almost 70% of the smallholder farmers don't get access to formal financing, which what it means is that they don't really get access to a bank. So typical farmer won't even think of walking to a bank and asking for a loan eh? because they don't necessarily have all the documentations and they understand all the paperwork that a bank requires and b also it's very difficult for the banks to cater to the farmers some of these banks are are probably not even in the vicinity of where the farmers are so the farmers have to travel far and usually they don't want to take the trip because let's just say they don't really feel confident to go to these uh, financial institutions so where do they get their money from so They usually go to local moneylenders who charge a really high interest rate that will go up to 35% um, annual interest rate, which is very difficult. If you're a small farmer and you have to pay whatever money you've taken and pay an annual interest rate of 30%, that's really high. Then there's microfinance right? Because Bangladesh is definitely one of the pioneers of, you know, as a country it has sort of pioneered the whole idea of the institutional finance. But the challenge with microfinance is that it was never really designed for agriculture. And let me give you a quick example. So if a cattle farmer takes loans from microfinance, the microfinance system works in a way that you have to pay back your loan installments on a weekly or monthly basis. Like if I'm a cattle farmer... I can only get the money when the cattle has matured after six months, and then I get the cash in my hand. So it's very difficult for me to be able to pay those weekly installments or a bunch of installments. So that is the challenge for these farmers to access to money indeed Far.
1: indeed I think this last point that you make I just want to reemphasize that the delay that one made sense both from funders as well as from the end receivers themselves or smaller farmers themselves to really see the return on the investment the time that is needed to to get that going and it's not immediate it takes a little bit of time so institutions like yours are really there to make sure that you, you bridge this gap that you really get discussion going and also start providing design the design receivers with the tools to access those and to access these initial like seed funding in order for the businesses to grow so you've touched upon also other elements that are very peculiar when it comes to agriculture food security in list of all countries can you tell us a little bit more largely what do you think the future of food could be to you
0: so that two things so there's an interesting phenomenon that i have been watching so when i when i go and visit the farmers in rural communities and i ask the farmers that do they want their children to get into farming and agriculture? Nine out of 10 will say, no, we don't want our, our children to get into agriculture. When I go and talk to the children, they want to get into agriculture. 10 out of 10 say, no, we don't want to get into agriculture. So that there's a question that keeps circling in my mind is that these farmers are probably in their mid-40s, 50s. Then after them, who will become the next generation of farmers? And the main reason that their children and people, the new generation of farmers, who can become new generation of I uh, mean breed of farmers, they're not really interested is because it's a really back-breaking job. The dog to dust, you're working to produce things that requires invest a lot of their time and their effort, but the return is not really catching up to their effort. So the future of food Especially in countries like Bangladesh and others, we have to create opportunities for these next generation of farmers to feel interested and motivated to come into farming. And the way we can do that is to enable the sector, the agriculture sector, by helping them to adopt efficient and relevant technologies. That has to be there because with technology, you can cut down, you know, a lot of these effort that they're now putting into like minimal effort probably required if you adopt mechanization, you adopt precision agriculture, and you remove a lot of uncertainties from the farming activities. So for countries like ours, if we have to grow food for the future generation, we need to be able to help and enable these farmers to adopt better technology because only then we will be able to produce more food and not only produce more food but also be able to produce food that are more nutritious and create a better quality of it because right now again the farmers are not necessarily concerned about the quality of it because they're more concerned about other things which they should not be concerned about it because there's technology available these days, but are they able to adopt this technology? Probably not yet, but we have to work on that side of things.
1: Thanks, hard. So do you think that it's more like a lack of information? Is it more like a lack of access to new technologies? What do you think is hampering for this message to thrive and to be felt, you know, sexy again by local communities, especially young people? What do you think? The social dimension of this change for the past forty years. Why do you think that is, especially in Bangladesh?
0: So, Bangladesh, of course, we have invested a lot in terms of production technology, like R and D on the hybrid seeds, better way to manage the crops and stuff like that. But what we haven't really done is also build. Of course, we did not have the resources to build the infrastructure around the agriculture sector. And again, by infrastructure, I mean access to technology, specifically like you know, access to a smartphone, access to internet. But again, of course Bangladesh is doing really well when it comes to like you know generic population to be able to get access to you know smartphone, internet. But probably agriculture needs a bit more focus so that farmers have access to information more easily. They can use the internet, they can get access to certain services using their smartphones. And probably that is something that we have not necessarily focused a lot on. Most of the investment in agriculture has been done on the production side of R&D. And also a lot of things, a lot of subsidy goes into agriculture, but now I think we should be also adding a particular focus on being able to make a smart farming and a core thing for the current farmers, the next generation of farmers, so that they can make smart decisions using technology.
1: Thanks so much for If I may, I think that you've really, really captured the need to formalize a little bit more all these different tools. And to make them available at the fingertips of any farmer, any person, any, especially in rural communities, so that we can revamp a little with the idea of what agriculture means, of the importance of uh, nutritious food, the importance, again, of the quality of foods that we bring to the table or the quality of foods that we grow. So this is a very historic moment for LDCs like Bangladesh. We're approaching the 5th conference uh, for the Least Developed countries to be held in Doha, Qatar in 2022. So, what do you think are the main priorities that us, as development well practitioners, we should be focusing on in the lead-up to the LDC5? And most importantly, for countries like Bangladesh that are approaching graduation from LDC status, what are the main priorities, what are the main needs that we should all be focusing on in the next decade?
0: Definitely the country is already investing in better healthcare, education, infrastructure. Those are definitely important. But we also need to understand, and I might be a bit biased here because I work in the health sector. And I think what we definitely have to work on is to try to understand that by 2050, Bangladesh will have a population of about 430 million plus. But Bangladesh is a is a really small country. I think I read it somewhere that Bangladesh is roughly the size of New York, a little, probably a little bit bigger than New York. With a population of right now, which is 170 million, which will reach about 230 million plus by 2050. A major challenge definitely is that we are losing land because of a higher rate of urbanization. So we need to understand how are we going to produce our food in the future? Because if we can take that burden off, then we, don't, we can produce our own food, we are self-sustaining, then there's more opportunity to use the resources, the public or the private resources, to be able to continue to invest in these other Sectors, as I said, healthcare, education, better roads, infrastructure, access to internet, and basic utility services. Because if we become like a importer of of food, then a lot of the money that we can invest in these other sectors have to be utilized to import food. So that is something that we have to really consider as we graduate LDC and we continue to, you know, look at the opportunities that I low-income country can look
1: forward to. Investing in local production, this is a key priority for LDCs and also to up, especially because agriculture is really one of the most important sectors for those emerging economies. Going back a little bit on, for the next generation of farmers, do you think there's other elements that us as development practitioners, we can help focus on to rebump a little bit the idea? around and interest towards farming? Do you think that there's anything else that we could do or something that we're not doing enough of?
0: I think we can definitely start educating the children at a really early age, starting from the school, teaching them about agriculture, but a bit more on bringing the practical stuff as well that should be able to grow more interest in in young children so that they can grow up and take agriculture more seriously and maybe even think of getting a agricultural professional because agriculture it's a large sector it's also about like value it's also about working in the supply chain or marketing and distribution each number of challenges that still needs to be worked on but i think that is something that the development sector at large can can look into like how do we curiosity about agriculture about farming, about value addition of agriculture producers at a really early stage. But then, of course, moving forward in colleges and universities, we definitely need better curriculum, more specialized, more focused curriculum. And it does not always have to be a production, not necessarily everyone has to be a farmer. But there are other things that are also, as I mentioned, about value addition, processing, supply chain, distribution, marketing. So I think we need to look into the education sector as a whole and see. If we can intervene there to be able to create curiosity about farming and agriculture sector, the early age and then as they grow up, the kids that grow up can we offer them more specialized, more focused curriculum so that they can become technical experts and, and also be able to apply those in solving those problems across the sector
1: indeed for education that can really transform and bring about interests to this and also not only from a nutrition perspective and the need to have a diversified diet the need to grow different foods they need to respect the land they need to avoid the depletion of natural resources but also more largely on how do you create business what's the entrepreneurship angle that you can apply in order to thrive your local community as well as your business for your country and for your people and there's another element to it i think that really as organizations like ifama and uncdf really try to to help reach that gap to really allow for these initiatives allow for these fresh ideas to translate and to become reality for as many people as possible in these emerging economies so any last message about that you'd like to share with young entrepreneurs like yours that would like to start a business or are interested in investing in LDCs, Why countries like Bangladesh and why now?
0: I think countries like Bangladesh offer the best opportunities because first of all, there are a lot of unsolved problems. Only looking at the problems probably is not the best way to start a business. Because companies like Bangladesh, we also understand the underlying reasons that created these problems in the first place. So, of course, there's an opportunity. Bangladesh as a country is moving forward. There's a growing consumer base and they want better products. They want quality products. But there is a reason that these products or these services have not been there in the market yet. And when you try to find those reasons, the underlying causes of them, you see the real business opportunity to build your product or your service. So I think anyone who wants to start a business, LDC countries, definitely should understand the problem. But most importantly, you should try to understand the underlying causes that have created these problems. Only then you land on a Important and a great opportunity to start a business, and of course, and I say this to you know wherever I'm speaking, is when you're doing a business in Bangladesh. By default, you're creating opportunities for people, which creates greater impact. So, impact and business, if, if you look at most new startups in, in the country, they go hand in hand. Now, not everyone probably focuses on impact, but it's there. We start a business in a country like Bangladesh, you are most likely to also create impact for the wider public.
1: Indeed, Fahad, indeed. The indirect effects, uh, so to speak, of investing in these economies, of investing in important sectors that have a transformative effect, and to really bring about structural transformation in those economies. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us today, Fahad. I look forward to continuing seeing how you create greater opportunities for greater impact especially for the next generation of farmers so i'll stay tuned and i hope our audience will stay tuned as well so uh, thank you to you thank you to our audience for joining in on capital Museums, the united nations capital development fund podcast where we focus on fresh ideas that make finance work for the poor in the least developed countries you can find us on apple spotify or directly on our website podcast.uncdf.org. please leave a message please leave a comment if you have any questions or if you have any suggestions please feel free to throw in some DMs to use the hashtag capital musings and we read everything and we're really looking forward to your comments so thank you again and until next time